On this Monday, the 15th of January, it is the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday, and uh, many of you have the day off, but those of you who are awake with us, please do join me in prayer. A prayer by John Paul II for peace, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus Christ, who are called the Prince of Peace, who are yourself our peace and reconciliation, who so often said, peace to you, please grant us peace. Make all men and women witnesses of truth, justice, and brotherly love. Banish from their hearts whatever might endanger peace. Enlighten our rulers that they may guarantee and defend the great gift of peace. May all peoples on the earth become as brothers and sisters. May longed-for peace blossom forth and reign always over us all. Amen. Figured that'd be an appropriate prayer as uh, we honor the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. today, uh, who was a Christian preacher, a Baptist preacher, who uh, used the gospel to try and promote the dignity of the human person in the civil rights movement. And uh, we still got work to do to uh, be healed and, and brothers and sisters in the family of God. So we continue to pray for that. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has our video feed up and running up in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. We'll check in with Teresa Tamio, who's got a very busy week ahead with the March for Life coming up here in just a few days. We'll check in with her and ask her about what she'll be up to. Brendan Hodge is going to look at more on regional responses to fiducia supplicans, which is the uh, letter that came out from the Doctrine of the Faith on pastoral blessings and different parts of the world have reacted to it very differently. And Brendan's been looking at why certain regions have uh, reacted certain ways. It's fascinating. Uh, and then Bear Wozniak is continuing our series on his book, 12 Rules for Manliness. Also, Stephanie Mann will discuss a dis establishment bill uh, in Parliament. And she's our English Catholic history correspondent. So that'll help you understand a little bit more of the context of that conversation. Right now it is two minutes past. News a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. The Nicaraguan bishop who had been detained by the Ortega regime for some 18 months has now been released from prison. Vatican News reports Bishop Rolando Alvarez of Matagalpa was freed by the government along with 15 other priests and two seminarians. All but one of them are now in exile in Rome. Pope Francis prayed for the situation in Nicaragua during his Angelus address yesterday, expressing his closeness to the Nicaraguan people and asking that all pray that the path of dialogue will always be sought to overcome difficulties. The Holy Father asked again for prayers for peace around the world in his Angelus address. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports. War itself is a crime against humanity, he said. People need peace. The world needs peace. Pope Francis urged everyone to pray for people who wield power over various conflicts so that they might realize that war is not the way to resolve them. War, he said, sows death among civilians and destroys cities and infrastructures. The Pope noted that he had just watched Father Ibrahim Faltas, the vicar of the custody of the Holy Land in Jerusalem, speaking on a program on Italian TV. 
Father Falta, said the Holy Father, spoke about the need to educate for peace. We must educate for peace, agreed Pope Francis. It seems that humanity has not yet reached a sufficient education to stop every war. The Pope's appeal came on the same day that the Israel-Hamas war marked its 100th day. Israel declared war on Hamas after the militant group attacked communities inside Israel on October 7th, killing 1,200 people and taking 240 others hostage. As the war continues in Gaza, various Catholic aid agencies are seeking to provide as much humanitarian assistance as possible to people suffering in the Strip. I'm Devin Watkins. Pope Francis has written a letter to the head of the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church decrying the latest missile attacks on the country. Vatican News reports last week the Holy Father called those strikes ignoble and unacceptable. He said, through you, I wish to express my closeness to the martyred Ukraine, mourn the dead, and entrust them to God's mercy, comfort the wounded, and embrace all those who are suffering in any way, end quote. The principal who was wounded during a shooting at an Iowa high school earlier this month has died, according to a post on a GoFundMe page to help with medical expenses. Perry High School principal Dan Marburger died yesterday morning. He had been principal at the Des Moines area school for nearly three decades. A sixth grader was killed in that January 4th shooting, and the 17-year-old shooter died from an apparent self-inflicted gunshot. Four other students and two staff members were also injured. Former President Trump is maintaining a nearly 30-point lead in the Iowa polls as the caucuses take place today. Mark Mayfield reports. In a final poll before Monday's GOP caucuses, Trump had support from 48 percent of likely Republican caucus goers. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley is nearly edging out former Governor Ron DeSantis for second place. Vivek Ramaswamy was a distant fourth with just 8 percent support. I'm Mark Mayfield. The U.S. bishops are honoring Martin Luther King on this his holiday. A statement from the bishop says each of us can and must work for justice and peace, remembering Reverend King's call to action. Life's most persistent and urgent question is what are you doing for others? Martin Luther King Jr., they say, was a champion of civil rights. Dr. King used the word of God to affect change of hearts and minds, given the issue of migration, anti-Semitism, and racial and religious discrimination touching our communities, we are reminded that the work of bringing people together in mutual recognition and cooperation is never really done, end quote. And a pair of Monday night games will put a bow on the wild card round of the NFL. The Pittsburgh Steelers battle the Buffalo Bills in Orchard Park in a game that was postponed over the weekend due to snow. Monday night football features a showdown between the Philadelphia Eagles and Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well at Raymond James Stadium. I want to know Any if Teresa Tamio. No, I don't care about those games Did tonight. Did Teresa Tamio watch Tamiyo the Detroit Lions? Stayed up to watch the Lions edge beat out the Rams, Rams twenty-four to twenty-three. Congratulations, Teresa. Were you T. awake for it? I stayed up for the whole thing. I was just telling Paul. I did. I watched the whole nice. game. How does it, it feel great. as a Detroit person? To finally, I, I was like watching footage and like people are just openly weeping in the stands. Yeah, that's a little much. I mean, <laughs> but... were you openly weeping 
<laughs> no, I was very glad for them and for our city. And it was interesting. I was down visiting uh, the twins. Uh, they're about half hour south of us in, in Metro Detroit. And I was driving home, and I have to drive past downtown right by the stadium. And you could literally hear hear the cheers and, and the lights and the blue and white. It was very cool. But, you know, it's interesting. I was telling my, my nephew and, and his wife, Erica, and the girls last night that I covered um, the last time we were in the playoffs. I was working for the independent station, Channel 50, as a TV news reporter. You really are and a I was veteran actually, journalist. It was at the Pontiac then. Silverdome. <laughs> One of the games, yeah. That was, awesome. I was, gosh, that was a long time ago. But, yeah, that was in my TV news days, and it was really great. I did stay up and watch the whole game. And at, at one point, though, I was all cozy-ozy, you know, in my jammies watching the game with a nice hot cup of tea because it was freezing here last night. Yeah. And I, I pulled the – I had a throw blanket on me, and, and that, those last couple of plays when, when they had the ball, when uh, the Rams had the ball, and I thought they were going to at least get into position to, to kick a field goal, I put the blanket over my head. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't watch. I can't do it. Well, it, it, traditionally, it's not a blanket that Lions fans have put on their head. It's a paper bag. Oh, but uh, I'm glad to see that I'm that like tradition crying, is over. I'm just laughing about this. this is, yeah. has we, have we heard from Father Ricardo? Is he okay? Yeah. I don't know. I have to text him this morning. He's, you know, he's probably if he's still on cloud nine because he's a Michigan grad, and of course after uh, the, the great victory of uh, the Wolverines, go blue. Oh, um, he's just probably you know be beside himself with, with joy. Did you, you see know. the Chargers have talked to Jim Harbaugh? Yes, I know. I know. Just saying. But I just wish people would just let him enjoy it. I mean, I've, I've had the opportunity to interview him and, and get to know his family. He's a, he's a very, very, very strong Catholic. I don't know if you heard some of the things he said at the at the victory party. He was, like, hinting, and, and some of his messages and his statements were were very scriptural without actually, you know, quoting scripture, chapter, and verse. But uh, he said, guys, can you just let me enjoy this right now and yeah, not talk about the future? So. Give people a week. People yeah, a week exactly. Yeah. Well, 32 years. I know. Since the last Lions playoff victory. But I want to talk about another uh, extremely loyal base uh, that has, uh, you know, had some embattled decades of work and is also due for some solid victories that you're also going to be covering this weekend. And that would yes. be the movement yes. for the sanctity of Unborn Life. Do you like that transition? I, that was a great segue. Like that, that was really good. well done. Well done. I practiced that yeah. one in the mirror. So uh, you ready? <laughs> For radio, you practiced it in the mirror? Yeah, I did. That was did. good, though. Yeah. So. No, the March for Life is coming up uh, this Friday. But before that, uh, EW10, if you go to EW10.com, and, and if you want to listen to the archive interview that I did with Doug Keck that I do every Friday, he just went over everything. It's phenomenal the amount of coverage that we give. I mean, I, you know, not to toot our own horn, but I, I'm sorry, I have to, being someone who has been in news, you know, for so long, I know what it takes to put something on like this. And so this will also be simulcast on radio. So if you're, you know, driving to work and, and can't get to the TV, obviously you could, you know, set your DVR and whatnot and come home, or, you know, they're going to be airing the March for Life again. But it's fun because you can sit in your car and you can listen to the coverage. We hit the air at uh, 9 a.m., uh, 9.30 on uh, Friday morning. And I'll be up at the riser in front of the rally stage, and Prudence Robertson and Catherine Hedro are going to start off the coverage, and I'll pick it up at 10, and then I'll be doing a number of different live hits, as we say, with different interviews. And then once the rally starts, our crew breaks down. We head right out to the main area where the front of the march is, and then we'll be walking with the marchers, <clears throat> excuse me, and we'll be there till the end of the march interviewing people on the street. And the good news is it doesn't seem like it's going to be bitterly cold. It's going to be chilly, but it's not going to be that bad. Uh, for those of us who are from uh, the northern parts, it's not that bad at 38, 40 degrees. That's the last time oh, I checked. I so haven't bad. looked at it uh, probably in two days, but so far it doesn't seem too bad in partly sunny degrees. But dress warmly, get there. And this is something I think that is 
worth being extremely emotional about. And there's often times that when I get done where I have a little bit of a, a breakdown moment when I see so many people who have worked so hard for so many years to stand up for life, and people from all walks of life, from all over the world. So this Friday, Absolutely. and also before that, EW10 is carrying so much coverage of the different events with the youth and the mass on Thursday at, at the mm-hmm. Basilica. So tune in, as we say. Indeed. Now, I want you to give the people on the TV side a hard time. Okay. Uh, because you mentioned the TV coverage starts at 9. On uh, the right. radio side, it actually starts at 6 a.m. Eastern because every year, yep. the Sunrise Morning Show, we always do pregame. We always like uh, interview people as they're descending. Like we've interviewed people in stairwells at hotels. Yeah, we've inter- we've interviewed people on buses and had them hold up the phone. You know, we've had all kinds of fun stuff. Who knows who we're going to have on? But you tell the TV side that you got to go get up pretty early in the morning to get get. Well, I'll be happy to, to talk to you guys. I think let's see. My normal time with you guys is usually like this time around seven ish Eastern. I think time, you'll be I'll- busy. No, I'll be probably busy. be waiting in makeup because I have to get. I'm going to be over to the studios to get uh, makeup done for TV. So you're I'll be booked, sitting. T. What? I, I you're think Annie just booked you. Oh, you did. I'm booked. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. We'll just talk wherever I am. I'll, oh, we can talk. We'll talk. Sometimes people really wonder how thing. we line up guests on the Sunrise Morning Show, and that's how. That's it. Just happened. <laughs> It just happened. I'm excited. I love covering the March. Deacon Dom's going to be there with me, and, and it's, it's just the most pleasant event to cover, even though it's, you know, we know why we're marching because it's, it's so sad because of the lives that are impacted. But there is a joy because the people, they just don't stop. We've been at this for yeah. decades, and yeah, I think it's going to be huge this year. Huge. Well, Michigan and Ohio people give each other a hard time about a lot of stuff. I think Michigan and Ohio are even playing in basketball tonight uh, on the college level. But Michigan and Ohio have some shared frustration of Amen. stuff that's happened in our states over the past couple yep. of years. And if we can't come together on that stuff, the uh, college football and college basketball stuff, then we can certainly come together on this yep. and, uh, and, and find a common cause. And so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the coverage. It's, it really is kind of exciting because, you know, you get into your, your head and you hear the same sort of talking points all over. But when, when they bring out the speakers for the March for Life, these are like people that are uh, you know, working in pregnancy centers. They're doing things on the ground. They're people who are not always famous but are doing incredible things. You finally get to hear them talk for a minute, right. and it's wonderful. Yeah, and I am interviewing during our pre-rally coverage. We're interviewing the head of the pro-life uh, group at Penn State, which is my husband's uh, alliance, my husband's alma mater. But he's also speaking uh, at the march, so that'll be nice to, to grab his opinion as to what's happening on the college campuses and uh, life-wise. And, and speaking of that, we're going to be talking to a young student at Notre Dame at the Catholic newspaper today on Catholic Connection, the Irish Rover newspaper. Mm-hmm. And there was a professor at the college who oh, yeah, was I've been doing a lot of this one. Yeah, yeah. And so he's going to be on talking about the whole life issue from that perspective. So it's a very important week. And yes, we're happy for the various teams, but most importantly, we're going to be talking about life later on this week at all kinds of different events. It'll be live on EW10 Radio, too, as you said. Hey, go team. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Fire all up. All right. Well, we've got you covered, and we are going to be uh, listening to you and uh, your coverage on Catholic Connection all week, and especially this weekend for the march. Have a wonderful day, Teresa. Okay, guys. And tell Father God Ricardo bless. to take a deep breath. There's still some <laughs> I'll playoff text him stuff this morning to do. and see what he says. I'll see what he says. <laughs> all right. All right. It's a quarter ciao. past. We got Bye-bye. headlines with Anna Mitchell right after this. Support is from Solidarity Health Share. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month. 
while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. You know, we talk story with each of our very unique guests for the whole hour so that you can go deep with us as you yourself pursue your own story of heroic virtue and as you pursue intimacy with God. The Bear Wozniak Adventure, Saturday night, 6 Eastern on EWTN Radio. 17 minutes past the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with headlines. The Nicaraguan bishop who had been detained by the Ortega regime for some 18 months has been released from prison and is now in exile in Rome. Pope Francis asked again for prayers for peace around the world during his Angelus address yesterday and the House Foreign Affairs Committee now wants information regarding the slaughter of Christians in Nigeria news at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Uh, Anna Mitchell, uh, so much to do, so much to see over the course of the next several days. Um, Again, I want to just highlight this idea that, you know, it can be easy to put Martin Luther King Jr. Day on one thing and and the March for Life stuff on the other thing. And as I was talking about with Deacon Harold, every time someone talks about discrimination, uh, every time I feel like I, I address discrimination, somebody's like, well, the real issue is pro-life stuff. And then when I talk about pro-life stuff, people are like, well, why aren't you addressing racism? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> this is why we want a culture of life, yeah, right? Absolutely. This is why we want to overhaul the entire thing, because at the end of the day, our issue is we don't understand that human beings are made in the image of God. And it ties all the questions together. Fundamentally, it begins with life, but... It applies to everything else. And if you have that perspective, it's going to touch every single kind of interaction you have as a human being. Well, a lot of this is sadly a reaction. I think I heard Deacon Harold talk about that idea of the seamless garment, which is all issues are equal, quote unquote, which is a notorious um, uh, way to describe the life issues. And I think that there has been a reaction in the pro-life community to that, which was pushed uh, very hard in my childhood, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so this idea that abortion is the preeminent issue, it's the foundation of the life issues. But so you need to have that strong foundation, but that is not 
to say that we reject or or lessen the gravity of these other issues, which very much have to do with the life issue. But yes, we must get the abortion question down because if you have cracks in that foundation, the whole house is going to come falling down. And you, we well, were talking about this a little bit in in RCIA this weekend, OCIA. I'm going to get it right one of these days. One of these days. Uh, why we teach things in a certain order in mm-hmm. catechesis, like we we start with, you know, who is God? What kind of world did He make? Who are we? Yeah. Um, what does that mean? Okay, so if we are made in God's image, then who is God? He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if that's the case, then what are we? How are we supposed to be in relationship with Him? And then, like, in Section 3 of the Catechism, we start talking about morality. Now, some people might say, what's more important, morality or the Trinity? Well, (laughs) that's a hard question to answer. You can't really even have the conversation about morality unless you understand who God God is. That God is love. Absolutely. there, There are ways that this has to sort of be built in order in order for it to make sense. And mm-hmm. so that's why we understand. Uh, but at the same time, they're all connected. Yeah. They're all connected. Very much so. It's 21 past. Mornings make you want to stay in bed. It's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. An act of love. Lord, teach me to love you as you deserve. Teach me to love you above all else. You created me to glorify you, and I glorify you by reflecting your image and likeness ever more fully. I glorify you not by my own might and striving apart from you, but by my humility by my receptivity to your light, and by my response to your love. I love you because you are entirely good. It is you who enkindle my soul, who stir my will into act by giving me your own spirit of love. I want nothing but you, no love but yours to reign in my heart. Be my supreme love, my very love, that I may live in you and you in me. Nothing but you, Lord. I want to be filled with you, to see you, to taste, and to know and delight in you alone. Not for my pleasure, but for your glory, now and forever. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Brendan Hodges back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is Darwin from the Darwin Catholic blog. He's got a novel from Ignatius Press called If You Can Get It and is a contributing editor to The Pillar. Good morning, Brendan. 
Good morning. Great to be on with you. It is great to have you back. And we are continuing our conversation on the regional reactions to the recent declaration on blessings, fiducia supplicans, from the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith. And uh, this becoming an even more interesting conversation in the wake of the African bishops who came out with a statement recently affirming that they have the blessing of the Vatican in saying this, that there will be no such blessings of same-sex couples or those in irregular relationships. So let's start off just returning to, I guess you could call it your theory on this. Uh, remind us of the, the common threads you found looking at the reactions from bishops around the world. So one of the things that we saw is obviously there was a great deal of focus on the support for the idea of blessing same-sex couples coming from some of the more affluent countries of Western Europe, so France, Germany, Belgium, etc. Um, and of course, we had very strong resistance coming out of Africa. And so in some ways, people that talked about this as being a first world versus third world kind of hmm. confrontation. Mm -hmm. But if you look at this a little bit more carefully, what we see is that uh, there was there continued to be a fair amount of support for this move from um, Pope Francis's backyard, if you will, in um, uh, Central and South America. And there was a fair amount of resistance from Eastern Europe, from the United States, and even from some surprising countries in Northern Europe, where Catholics make up a very small percentage of the population. And one of the things that I noted in our analysis is that what we really see here is a contrast between countries in which virtually all baptized Christians are Catholics. And so there's a real focus from the institutional church on maintaining even very marginal Catholics who may not believe what the church teaches but have not formally separated themselves from the church on kind of providing a large tent approach where those people will not have the impetus to formally step away from the Church in places like southern Germany, where historically Catholicism is the only source of Christianity. Um, whereas in parts of the world where there is more competition in the religious marketplace, whether that's the U.S., which of course we have many Protestants as well as Catholics, whether it's Africa, where there's a three-way split between Protestants, Catholics, and Muslims, or whether it's Eastern Europe, where historically there was a lot of competition from the Communist Party and uh, militant secularism. Um, those are the parts of the world where we're seeing the bishops say that we need to take a more evangelistic approach to promoting what the Church actually teaches. Okay, so dive into that more specifically with Africa, since we just had this this statement come out from the African bishop saying this is not happening in on our continent. So I think that one of the things that is not much discussed about Africa in Catholic circles is we see it almost like a new Ireland, uh, where mm -hmm. there, it's a vibrantly Catholic part of the world, we, a lot of us have priests in our parishes or families in our parishes who are from Africa, and we see them as very active Catholics. The thing to understand is that while Catholicism is certainly growing and vibrant in Africa, it's by no means the only force. So, for instance, in Nigeria, which leads the world in Catholic um, ordinations, uh, Catholics only make up 12% of the population. 
Um, they are um, they have a, a significant Muslim um, population. It's almost half of the country is Muslim, uh, concentrated in the northern part, but it is still sort of a very divided country. And there are actually more Protestants, mostly evangelical Protestants, in Nigeria than there are Catholics. So the Catholics in Nigeria understand that not only is this a growing, vibrant faith, but it's a faith that needs to be proclaimed if people are going to belong to it, because these are very strongly evangelizing faiths, which Catholicism is competing with there. So more opportunity, if you will, for scandal if they were to to go through with these blessings that they're pretty much rejecting in mass yeah and i think there's another important piece of history to understand here which is that over the last few decades we have seen multiple protestant global communions broken up by this issue of same-sex relationships so the anglican communion has been breaking up so have the methodists and the African bishops in those communions have had a major part to play in leading faithful congregations who want to continue to teach the historic Christian morality. Sure. Well, we've got less than a minute here, but do you want to touch on the United States? We're kind of, I guess you could say the Catholic population sort of half and half in terms of um, how how closely they adhere to teachings of the faith. Exactly. The U.S. has really both of these dynamics going on there, because on the one hand, uh, there is there are historic Catholic populations where there are people who say they are culturally Catholic but do not connect with the actual teachings of the church. But at the same time, the U.S. is a church where um, people are not uh, registered by the government as members of uh, the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. It really is a church which people only belong to by choice. And so what we see is that there's a lot of dynamic leadership among the laity, and uh, the bishops are responsive to that need for evangelizing the population if there is even going to be a Catholic population in the United States. For sure. Read more about it at PillarCatholic.com. We've been talking to Brendan Hodge. Brendan, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. It's half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. The Nicaraguan bishop who had been detained by the Daniel Ortega regime for some 18 months has now been released from prison. Vatican News reports Bishop Rolando Alvarez of Matacalpa was freed by the government along with 15 other priests and two seminarians over the weekend. All of them but one is now in exile in Rome. Pope Francis prayed for the situation in Nicaragua during his Angelus address yesterday, expressing his closeness and asking that all pray that the path of dialogue will always be sought to overcome difficulties. He again had prayers for peace around the world in his Angelus address, particularly for the Holy Land and for Ukraine. In his catechesis, the Holy Father reflected on the calling of the apostles Andrew and Peter. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. Being a disciple of the Lord involves seeking, being with, and sharing with others our joy in discovering the Lord, the Pope said, just as the first disciples did in discovering the Messiah. The two disciples are asked by Jesus upon encountering him what they are seeking, and this question invites them to look at what they carry in their hearts and what they truly desire, the Pope explained. The Lord, he added, does not want superficial followers, but people who question themselves and let themselves be challenged by his word. 
In meeting and discovering the Messiah, God's anointed one, the disciples ask the Lord where he lives, and they're invited by the Lord to come and see. The Pope explained, faith, therefore, involves an encounter with the Lord and our being with him. The Pope said to stay with the Lord, to remain with him. This is the most important thing for the disciple of the Lord. The powerful experience of meeting Jesus leads the two disciples to share with others their joy and the gift of this experience. The Pope concluded, One of the two disciples mentioned in Gospel, Andrew, hastens to tell his brother Simon, whom Jesus will call Peter. Their encounter with Jesus was so powerful, said the Pope, that they remember the time it took place for the rest of their lives. It was around four in the afternoon. The Pope suggested we also remember our first encounter with the Lord and renew our own fervor by seeking Him anew through prayer and reflection that can lead us to sharing our joy with others. Maria Santissima, prima discepola di Gesù, ci dona il desiderio di cercarlo. He concluded, May Mary, most holy, first disciple of Jesus, give us the desire to seek Him, the desire to stay with Him, and the desire to proclaim Him. I'm Thaddeus Jones. National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby says the U.S. has had intense talks with Israel to lower the intensity of its attacks in Gaza. Speaking on CBS's Face the Nation, Kirby said Israel had taken some steps to get there, including fewer airstrikes and pulling some troops out. He did not say there's a specific timetable for the transition to a lower intensity phase, other than to say it's coming, quote, very, very soon. He added that more trucks delivering humanitarian aid need to get into Gaza each day. Today is the first official day of voting in the 2024 election cycle as Iowa's caucuses get underway. At stake is who Iowa Republicans think is the best candidate to take on President Biden in November. Polls far and away show that former President Trump enjoys the most support. Archaeologists say they found a massive network of cities deep in the Amazon rainforest. Brian Shook has more. A study published in the journal Science says they date back 2,500 years. This is the earliest and largest urban network discovered in the Amazon and comes after two decades of investigations in the region. The study's lead author called the discovery in the Yupano Valley of Amazonian Ecuador incredible. It includes wide streets and long roads along with plazas and clusters of platforms for monuments. I'm Brian Shook. U.S. bishops are honoring Martin Luther King on this holiday. A statement from the bishop says each of us can and must work for justice and peace. Remembering Reverend King's call to action, life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? They go on to say the Catholic Church is committed to this endeavor and willingly clasps hands and hearts with all others of like mind, faith, and hope, end quote. That's the news. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN Radio. It's 35 minutes past the hour. The Sunrise If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. I'm Father Timothy Shear. 
and these are biblical impressions. There are people in the Bible whose names we never learn, but their lives are perfect examples of faith. This is true for a brave woman whose story is preserved in the accounts about the great prophet Elisha. The woman had a husband who had been a prophet too. When he died, she faced terrible difficulties. Eventually, things got so bad, she was in danger of losing her children to slavery in order to pay off the great debts she incurred. That is when she went to Elisha for help. He told her to trust that God would provide for her. She had to demonstrate her trust in God by gathering as many empty jars as she could from the town where she lived. From the few drops of oil left in her house, God produced enough oil to take care of her debts and provide her with money for years to come. She believed that God could fill the emptiness in her life. Do we? For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Timothy Shear. Well, if you head over to Bears School of Manliness, which is linked at sunrisemorningshow.com, you can find all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, lots of projects from Bear Wozniak he's involved in, including his 12 Rules for Manliness, a book we've been going through here on the radio. Bear, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Um, we're still here out sailing. We're in Virgin Islands. We're in latitude 18. But uh, next week when we talk, we'll be in latitude 19, up at, all the way up to Hawaii. That's another cold degree of latitude. So it's going to be freezing cold. I know you guys are a little bit colder than we are, but we're worried about having Just a little cold bit. degree of latitude. <laughs> well, so I uh, I was a little bit worried about saying the subtitle of your book, uh, you know, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? The <laughs> Night After the Packers Just Steamrolled the Dallas Cowboys. I know it's going to be a, uh, a, a, a rough morning for a lot of Cowboys fans, but I think it actually highlights something interesting about the topic we're going to talk today. Uh, you, you talk about what's your standard, right? What's the flag you follow? What's the thing that you rally around? And for a lot of us, uh, if we're not careful, we'll settle that into our uh, sports fandoms being like, this is the thing that I'm actually rallying around. Like, this is the thing that, like, I'm going to decorate my house with. This is the thing that's going to unite my community. And there's good stuff about sports, but that can't be the ultimate thing. Yeah, it's interesting, too. Like, here out sailing, the names of the boats kind of say a lot about the people. Our boat's name is the, is, is Spirit of Adventure. And I just really feel like, uh, for me anyway, that's kind of the standard for, for us, is that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Adventure. And uh, He has plans for us. He has adventures for us. And uh, and that's what we want to rally to. Uh, but to do that, we need to... We need to kind of define what, what it is our creed is, what our code is, uh, what our, what, how we, you know, I was telling Cindy last night, I've gotten pretty good at the virtue of fortitude because I'm not very good at the virtue of prudence, you know? So <laughs> what, 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 what will be our standards that we will, uh, uh, you know, codify and, and crystallize and focus on and think so and pursue? Well, I sometimes wonder, you know, how other people describe me when I'm not around. 
You know what I'm saying? Because that that seems to me like that's well, that would be a good way for me to know what people think I think is important. Like sometimes you'll uh, hear someone describe someone and they'll say, "Oh, so and so is like a you know, like a hardcore this or whatever or they're uh they're uh, uh you know, this political stripe or this you know, kind of thing that they're into they're like oh he's kind of like a you know science guy or like he's kind of like a you know he's an engineer man he's like a, he's all about engineer like i wonder how people describe me because i feel that would be helpful to me to understand what other people think i am writing for right <laughs> other people think i'm yeah, rallying around writing yeah yeah you know i tell you matt I, I was thinking about you this morning dude you 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 have the you have inculcated Catholicism into the structure of your being. You know, it's like there's, there's a, there's, you know, there, you've been informed and you've been formed by the Catholic faith and you, and there's a certain knowledge that you, and you live liturgically, you know, you know what uh, each, you, you know, the day, what's happening today, what, is it a feast? Is it, is it a fast? And so, yeah, there's all of that about you. And I think that that's what I want people to think of too. And they think of me, I want them to think of someone who, who rides for the brand? Who they they know that I uh, that I love Jesus. They know I'm not perfect. They know I'm far from that, but they know that uh, the deep, in the deepest core of my being, it's it's about it's about Jesus. It's about well, and, uh, like I say, if I describe you to people, I say things like uh, Bear Wozniak sees no separation in his life between physical adventures and spiritual adventures. <laughs> right? oh, very well no, said. Yeah. He sees no false dichotomy there. But I think that's an interesting exercise, right? Um to think about how we would how would we want people to describe us? How what would people we want people to say about what they think we yeah, think is most think, important. Yeah. I think people would say about me he gets the job done come hell or high water, but but I hope um, the water's not too you know, high, at least right not not yeah, right at this yeah. moment. Well, we got some wind coming up today. We're, we were about to go sail. There's some. There's going to be some wind and some waves today. But uh, but I mean, I, I want I, what I want people to say is that he loves Jesus. I met someone here the other day on the beach, and he was saying that his dad they, they converted to Catholicism. He, the son had converted, and then the father, who was a minister and hated Catholics, went to mass on Christmas Eve a couple of years ago, and he said Jesus is here. And he converted, but he has this beautiful saying. He asks people all the time, "Do you love Jesus?" Hmm. I want people to know. And, and he, his interesting statement was, he asked some people where he used to pastor, "Do you love Jesus?" And they said, "Well, we just want to know that Jesus likes us," which just totally flips it around, you know. Uh, that, that that speaking of standards, Jesus likes me. I may not be perfect. I, I may live be living with someone. I may not, you know. I may not be living the righteous life. But, you know, Jesus died on the cross for me. It's kind of cheap grace. He loves me. All, all dogs go to heaven. But the question is, this man asks people, do you love Jesus? And that's what I hope people, I hope I become that kind of person that, that people will say he loves Jesus. Yeah, I mean, but not not even just that, uh, Bear. I mean, think about, you know, if somebody catches us at some of those off moments when we're not our best and someone you know, describing us to somebody else is like, oh, he's kind of like a cynical guy, you know, or he's kind of like an an angry guy, or he's really yeah. sort of obsessed with politics, or uh, <laughs> he was looking at his phone the whole time. Like, those are not things that I want to be the way that people think of me. That's I don't want people to think that the standard I ride for is my phone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 
yeah, you know, when I'm sitting and I'm praying, I'm using my iPhone sometimes doing the liturgy. And I think, yeah, but I can't do that because everyone will think I'm just looking at the latest news or, or YouTube shorts. But the other thing is, you know, my name, Bear Wozniak, it kind of stands out. So, like, when I, I went through three weeks of, 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 of technical just challenges here, uh, <laughs> and I had to be so careful to bite my tongue when I'm talking with those people that keep transferring me in the infinite loop, you know. So just think about it. Think about it, though, now to other people. Think, what does Jesus say about us? What does yeah. Jesus say about us? How does he see us, you know? Because he, he, you know, my dad used to say, a professional does the right thing all the time, whether people are watching or not. You know, that, yeah. that's what I wanted. That, that man, of, like you said, integrated integrity, where my mind, my, my, my heart are all united in the pursuit of, of God's will. Well, and this is the other thing about it. Uh, is that when you ride for a standard, you're not riding alone, right? You're riding with a company of brotherhood, right? <laughs> you're riding with yeah. a group. You're well, I mean, you're riding with uh, the family of God. You're riding with the church. You're not supposed to just yeah. be riding Lone Ranger style. Yeah, that's right. I mean, in, in my book, I talk about the lone wolf in Montana that I saw that uh, a professor told me he's going to die young. I, I saw this lone wolf on my land, and he said, yeah, I know about that wolf. He's going to die young. He's going to be diseased. He's going to be die of starvation because he's supposed to be part of a pack. That's where he's going to thrive. Um, but I, it was so cool. We were here the other day, and we prayed, Lord, we'd really love to meet some Christians today. So we, we took our dinghy into the beach, and we met some really great people. And they're like a, a full boatload of just real quality uh, uh, people, five couples on this very nice boat, I must say. But I was talking to the man who owned the boat, and I said, you're doing a good thing here. You brought these men together and their wives together. And you could see that there was a strengthening and there was a fellowship. There was a common bond. You could see they had all been through a lot together. They knew each other well, and they were all for, cheering for each other. And, and I imagine sometimes challenging each other, but to, to, to rise to the occasion, to live according to that rallying point, that standard. So the other thing I would say, if describing Bear Wozniak to people, is that if I were to say, on an average Thursday, you know, I met a boatload of Christians today. I would be using a figure of speech, but if Bear said he met a boatload of Christians today, <laughs> he's speaking literally. <laughs> speaking literally. <laughs> All right, yeah, man. If our listeners not- want to connect with you and like hear more about some of your thoughts on this stuff, how do they do so? Well, please go to Amazon or to Sophia. And buy or go to your local Catholic bookstore, buy 12 Rules for Manliness, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? Or go to Bears School of Manliness and you connect with us there. Sorry to both the Cowboys and the Bears this morning who will be watching the playoffs from home. (laughs) Have a great one. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Aloha. (laughs) It is 14 till we're back right after this. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. Born from the heart of St. Daniel Comboni, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most abandoned people in the world for more than 150 years. 
the Kombonis improve quality of life with resources like food, clean water, and medicine. They provide vital education in schools and spiritually minister through the sacraments, all while preparing local Christian leaders to serve their people, now and in the future. Find out more at kombonimissionaries.org. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Catechism in a Year with me, Father Mike Schmitz, is now available right here on Catholic Radio. Encounter God's plan of sheer goodness for us, revealed in Scripture and passed down through the tradition of the Catholic faith as we journey together toward our heavenly home. Bible in a Year and Catechism in a Year with Father Mike Schmitz, tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on EWTN Radio. Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Join us later today on Catholic Answers Live as we do our best to explain and defend the Catholic faith. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 11 till. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Stephanie Mann. You can find her blog, supremacyandsurvival.blogspot.com, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Stephanie, good morning. Good morning, Anna. It's good to have you back. And some Thanks. interesting news out of England yes. recently. A disestablishment bill has been introduced in the House of Lords. Now, those um, my age or older probably remember Schoolhouse Rock. I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm only a, a bill. I mean, obviously different between the United States yes. and the United and and the United Kingdom, but similar here. This bill is is just in the infancy phase, and I want to stress that. Right. Um, but yeah. the fact that it's been introduced at all is is super interesting for those of us. It is who love your segments, particularly on English history. So tell us what this bill says in its current state. Right. Well, and yeah, it has to go back and forth between the House of Lords and the, and the, of course, the House of Commons. And then finally, it would have to finally receive royal assent. King Hmm. Charles III would have to agree to this. Basically, what it does is separate church and state in England, because right now they're, they're together. It would uh, kick the bishops out of the House of Lords. (laughs) It removed the title of the monarch as the defender of the faith. It would officially abolish that. Uh, Something that Henry the the second would agree with is it would just uh, remove all the authority of the ecclesiastical courts and laws. And it would also, but on the other hand, it would give the church of England total control over its clergy, its doctrine and its liturgy, which it does not have now. I mean, the, the, the state can compel and, and pass laws that would, and has have passed laws that would uh, change things in the church of England. So it is, it is a, kind of an amazing thing just that it's been proposed but it would but the question is what would it make what would it mean for the church of england what would it mean for religion in in england and that's kind of what is is really unknown it's a very secular society now and that's one of the reasons it's been proposed 
Very few members, very few English people are members of the Church of England. I think it, for years it's been a statistic that that uh, funerals outnumber baptisms or marriages mm-hmm. in in the Church of England because the the older generation who have been have been Anglicans are dying out, and the younger generation is not going to church. They're either nons or they are a member of another church or they're of another complete another faith it's such a multicultural society also what do you think this would mean for the the catholic church in england that is that is the real question and 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 i looked to see if the archbishop of westminster the cardinal archbishop had make it made any response to this even being proposed and he re- it really hasn't oh. cardinal nicholas hasn't and he probably wouldn't because this has a long way to go and probably sure. won't get, get much traction but that is that is the question i would have and and i looked at what newman said about the the establishment church and what it means for mm-hmm not just religion in England, but for Catholics in England. And I think in some ways he would say that this would give Catholics even more freedom than they have now to, if they want to, if the church wants to, to evangelize and to reach out to those who really do need Jesus in their lives and aren't finding it through the church of England. And so that'd be one question, one point I would have, but otherwise I don't really know. And I can't really get a sense because, you know, the, uh, at Charles the the Third's coronation, uh, the Archbishop of of Westminster, the Cardinal, was there, and he said a prayer, and he mm. offered prayers for Charles the Third as the defender of the faith. So mm. I don't know. I I'm, I'm not sure. What, what do you think? Do you have an no, idea? No, I don't it really. I don't either. <laughs> well, it, one thing that I was kind of speculating about as as I was reading, you've got a, a really interesting post over at Supremacy and Survival that I encourage folks to go Thanks, read, yeah. particularly with the the thoughts from Newman. Um, one thing that I was wondering is if uh, you know King Charles the Third has has done a lot of things. Um, you know, in conjunction with, uh, say, like aid to the church in need, for instance, and yes. and done a lot of mm-hmm. things with with other Catholic organizations, and obviously, as you were saying, Cardinal Nichols saying that prayer at his coronation, um, and and I was thinking, I wonder what this would mean for the monarch if he's not required to be the defender of the Church of England, the head of the Church of England, would this free up him or any other future monarch to be a Catholic? Or do you think Parliament would come up with a way to to make sure that that didn't happen? Well, that is interesting. That's not an aspect that's touched on, because at at the same time he declared himself the defender of the faith, he also declared himself the defender of the Protestant succession, Mm. that no Catholic can be a monarch. But yes, that would be one thing. Once once the separation is is there, then a monarch could be, and of any faith, in fact, that would be one of the things that could be true. But he certainly, or she, certainly should be able to be a Catholic if there's not this connection between the government and the the king's government, as it is, and the Church of England and its governance, and Mm -hmm. that's been separated. That would be one thing. That's true. It it could be that they would have to get rid of that Protestant succession as part of it, too. But I thought Newman's thoughts were, were most interesting when when Catholics received emancipation, he really wasn't that worried because, in a way, he saw the unity between church and state as detrimental to the power of the bishops in the Church of England to truly be yeah. 
the heirs of the apostles. Well, this is what is so um, sad about the way yes. that history has played out, because it was not always so. Right. The right. the idea of a separation of church and state was meant to be the the state bringing the people to their greatest good, which, of course, is the church in the true faith. Yes. But then we see all of that break down. And so we almost find ourselves on the opposite side now um, longing yes. for a separation of church and state so that we can practice our faith in in spirit and truth. Yes. And that's what Newman also saw when he left the Anglican Church was that as long as the church was Erastian, controlled by the state, mm -hmm. there was no chance. The, the church was going to follow the state. It was going to follow the zeitgeist. It was going to follow the spirit of the age. And that's what we have seen in the Church of England, obviously. In fact, yeah. one thing they do say about this bill, those who are secularists and, and humanists say, this was a, a sign that the Church of England had not done enough, even though they have approved, they have definitely approved blessings of same-sex marriages mm -hmm. it was too little too late yeah. and so this is kind of a shot across the bow yeah. saying you don't deserve to be uh, part of our state yeah well so it's it is been... fascinating we'll have to watch it yeah yeah you definitely need to to keep an eye on this one and keep us posted as developments sure. come forward but in the meantime you can go read stephanie's initial post on this over at her blog which is linked at sunrisemorningshow.com stephanie thank you so much Thank you. Happy New Year. You too. Thank you very much. All right. That'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Arise, it's a new day. Hear his word. Let us pray. The Sunrise Morning Show. Is Monday the 15th of January, federal holiday, the uh, holiday honoring Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Many of you had the day off, but let's begin together in prayer for those of you who are up in Adam. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Lord, grant us fresh hope at the beginning of this day that we may live it for your glory and our neighbor's good. Relieve us of the burden of old worries and stored grievances that we may pass through the narrow gate that leads to the kingdom. Protect us from recurring fears that we may serve you in freedom and in peace. Heal all who labor under the pain of depression, scrupulosity, and anxiety, that all may know the joy of your love. Lord Jesus Christ, you have brought us safely to this new day as you have promised to bring us safely to dwell with you one day in your kingdom of light. Defend us against all that would weigh us down and slow our steps, that we may run with delight in the way of your gospel, who live and reign with you and the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. It is a better way to start a Monday morning, and you look at those prayer requests, the intercessions, uh, stored grievances, anxiety, scrupulosity, uh, living for God's glory and our neighbor's good. These are actually all pretty strong themes in the work of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has a video feed up and running. You can check that out in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. We'll look at this week in Catholic history with Kevin Schmeezing.
catch up with Father Patrick Briscoe from OSV. Father John Gavin is going through the catechism with us and pointing out where the church fathers make various appearances. Today we'll talk about St. Gregory the Great and some remarks of his on purgatory that made it into the catechism. And then Deacon Harold Burke Sivers has written a book on uh, addressing racism from a Catholic perspective from Ignatius Press, and we'll talk about that with him on this Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. So, Stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. The Nicaraguan bishop who had been detained by the Daniel Ortega regime for some 18 months has been released from prison. Vatican News reports that Bishop Rolando Alvarez of Matagalpa was freed by the government along with 15 other priests and two seminarians. All of them are now in exile in Rome, having arrived there yesterday. Pope Francis asked again for prayers for peace during his Angelus address yesterday. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports. For itself is a crime against humanity, he said. People need peace. The world needs peace. Pope Francis urged everyone to pray for people who wield power over various conflicts so that they might realize that war is not the way to resolve them. War, he said, sows death among civilians and destroys cities and infrastructures. The Pope noted that he had just watched Father Ibrahim Faltas, the vicar of the custody of the Holy Land in Jerusalem, speaking on a program on Italian TV. Father Faltas said the Holy Father spoke about the need to educate for peace. We must educate for peace, agreed Pope Francis. It seems that humanity has not yet reached a sufficient education to stop every war. The Pope's appeal came on the same day that the Israel-Hamas war marked its 100th day. Israel declared war on Hamas after the militant group attacked communities inside Israel on October 7th, killing 1,200 people and taking 240 others hostage. As the war continues in Gaza, various Catholic aid agencies are seeking to provide as much humanitarian assistance as possible to people suffering in the Strip. I'm Devin Watkins. Pope Francis has written a letter to the head of the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church decrying missile attacks, recent missile attacks on the country. Vatican News reports the Holy Father called the strikes ignoble and unacceptable. He said, through you, I wish to express my closeness to the martyred Ukraine, mourn the dead and entrust them to God's mercy, comfort the wounded and embrace all those who are suffering in any way, end quote. The principal who was wounded during a shooting at an Iowa high school earlier this month has died. According to a post on a GoFundMe page to help with medical expenses, Perry High School principal Dan Marburger died Sunday morning. He had been principal at the Des Moines area school for nearly three decades. A sixth grader was also killed in the January 4th shooting, and the 17-year-old shooter died from an apparent self-inflicted gunshot. Four other students and two staff members were injured. Former President Trump is maintaining a nearly 30-point lead in the Iowa polls as the caucuses are set to take place today. Mark Mayfield reports. In a final poll before Monday's GOP caucuses, Trump had support from 48 percent of likely Republican caucus goers. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley is narrowly edging out former Governor Ron DeSantis for second place. Vivek Ramaswamy was a distant fourth with just 8 percent support. I'm Mark Mayfield. World leaders and top officials are set to gather this week in Davos, Switzerland for the 54th annual World Economic Forum. The meeting, which will include Secretary of State Antony Blinken, 
will address how to end the wars in Gaza and in Ukraine. The forum starts today and runs through Friday. The U.S. bishops are honoring Martin Luther King on this holiday for him. A statement from the bishop says each of us can and must work for justice and peace. Remembering the Reverend King's call to action, life's most persistent and urgent question is what are you doing for others? They say Martin Luther King Jr. was a champion of civil rights. Dr. King used the word of God to affect change of hearts and minds. Given the issues of migration, anti-Semitism, and racial and religious discrimination touching our communities, we are reminded that the work of bringing people together in mutual recognition and cooperation is never really done. They said there remain forces in the human condition that would tear asunder what has been accomplished. Let us remain vigilant, take advantage of positive signs existing in evangelization efforts, and continued civic progress within human relations. And blowouts were on the menu for wildcard weekend in the NFL. The lopsided victories started on Saturday when the Texans throttled the Cleveland Browns 45-14 to in Houston, while defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs thumped the Dolphins 26-7 to at Arrowhead. However, the biggest surprise came yesterday when the Green Bay Packers marched into Arlington and embarrassed the Dallas Cowboys 48-32. The nightcap featured a more competitive game where the Detroit Lions edged the Los Angeles Rams 24-23 at Ford Field. Wow. What a weekend. There's some young teams going in right now. Uh, When you think about the uh, Texans being led by C.J. Stroud, Mm -hmm. Jordan Love, you know, was probably out of all the people who are in the mix right now, um, you know, he gets, to me, he doesn't get mentioned nearly often enough Mm -hmm. when people are talking about, like, the top quarterbacks in the league, because he, man, he looked great last night. Did he? I didn't get to, I, we were having a belated epiphany party for Will's side of the family yesterday, so I didn't get to watch any football yesterday. What we got today? We got Steelers and Buccaneers. Is that right? No, Paul. Uh, no, Steel, I'm sorry. No. Steelers and Steelers and Bills, Buccaneers and Eagles. Ah, so nice. that should be a very very interesting night of football. Yeah. And of course, the Steelers and Bills are the ones that had to get pushed ahead because right, of the, the weather situation. Well, it's going to be frigid. Well, I hope some of y'all Who's are staying hosting? safe. I know there were. Power outages and everything. I would assume the Bills are hosting. Yeah. I would assume well, it's going to be Steelers kind of squeaked in. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. It is going to be super cold football game. You think you'll see anyone with short sleeves on the football field today? Uh, there are always a couple is. of offensive linemen. Oh, my gosh. I just, those, those guys, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it. They look super fierce. Those are the guys that wear like, hoodies and shorts in the snow. Yeah, those are the guys that scare me. That's for Oof. sure. That's for sure. Well, today is Monday, January the 15th. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN Radio. It's nine past. It's time for our weekly look at this week in Catholic history here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And our Catholic historian, Kevin Schmeising, is back with us for it. He's author of A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History. Good morning, Kevin. Hey, Anna. Good morning. It is good to have you. And today we head back to 1377 
and the end of the Avignon Papacy. Yeah, the Pope came back to Rome, ending the Avignon Papacy this week in 1377. Here's the background. There was conflict between the popes, especially Boniface VIII and the King of France, Philip IV, at the turn of the 14th century. Philip managed to orchestrate the election of a French pope, Clement V, in 1307. Two years later, Clement moved to Avignon. That was technically an independent city, but it was surrounded by French territory. And for the next 68 years, through the reigns of seven popes, the successors of Peter resided in Avignon, rather than the place of Peter's martyrdom, Rome. During this period also, a majority of cardinals were of French ethnicity. So to what extent the Pope was a pawn of the French monarchy during the Avignon papacy is a matter of some debate, but at the least there was the appearance that the papacy had ceased to be a politically impartial, primarily spiritual institution. The period is sometimes called the Babylonian captivity of the papacy. That's a reference to the exile of the chosen people from the promised land and from the holy city of Jerusalem. The last of the Avignon popes, Gregory XI, was elected in 1370. Though he was a Frenchman, he saw the need to restore the Pope to Rome, and so he resolved to do so. He was assisted in this resolution by the exhortations of St. Catherine of Siena. In a letter of 1376, she wrote, Don't be afraid, but even more self-confident. Don't give up or restrain your sweet holy desire, but let it be more enkindled with each day that passes. Up, Father, put into effect the resolution you have made, concerning your return. In the face of opposition, Gregory did leave Avignon in January 1377, and this week, January 17th, he entered Rome in solemn procession. The Babylonian exile was over. Gregory died a little over a year later. There had been 11 French popes before Gregory. There has never been another since the end of the Avignon papacy, this week in 1377. How interesting. And now we move to the 1800s and some American Catholic history this morning. We've talked a lot about American missionaries in this segment, and here's another one. Frederick Berriga, he died in northern Michigan this week in 1868. He was born into a well-to-do family in 1797 in the Duchy of Carniola. That's today the nation of Slovenia. He studied law at the University of Vienna, where he befriended the Redemptorist saint, Clement Mary Hofbauer, and discerned a calling to the priesthood. He was ordained in 1823, a few years later, answered a call from the guy we talked about last week, Edward Fenwick, the first bishop of Cincinnati. After a few months in Cincinnati, Berrigo was assigned to an Indian mission in Michigan. He published a catechism in the Ottawa language, then began working among the Ojibwa in northern Michigan and Wisconsin. That's where he spent the rest of his life. During this period, he was given the nickname the Snowshoe Priest, in one incident, in the course of making a sick call, he walked for 24 consecutive hours through a snowstorm. He was reluctant to stop and rest for fear of falling asleep and dying of exposure. A pair of his snowshoes, Anna, are on display today at the historic parish of St. Mary in Sault Ste. Marie. In 1853, Berica returned to Cincinnati briefly to be consecrated bishop of the newly created diocese of Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan which covered Michigan's Upper Peninsula. The seat of that diocese was soon moved west to Marquette. In his work in the UP, Berriga had the support of the Society for the Propagation of the Faith. That's the other item we talked about last yeah. week. Berriga died in Marquette this week, January 19th, 1868. His grave is located there in St. Peter's Cathedral on Berriga Street. His cause was opened in 1952, and he was declared venerable by Pope Benedict XVI in 2012. Bishop Frederick Berriga, this week, 1868.
Okay, walking 24 hours in a snowstorm is heroic virtue enough for me to canonize him. I mean, I guess there's a whole lot more that the church has to to go through before we can get to that point with Bishop Barriga. But wow, what an incredible story he has. We've been talking to Kevin Schmeezing. You can find his book, A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History, linked alongside the Catholic History Trek podcast in our show notes at sonrisemorningshow.com. A couple of great stories this morning, Kevin. Thank you so much for sharing them. Thank you, Anna. Take care. You bet. And um, I guess I'll stop complaining about my, like, 10 feet of walking outside in, you know, I don't know. What What is the temperature here in Cincinnati? I'm not sure. Like, 10, 10 degrees, something like that. Nothing. Bishop Barriga, pray for us. All right, let's take a look at weather across the nation. Main story for today will be snow and ice from Texas to the Mid-Atlantic. Anywhere from a light glaze to a quarter inch of icing is possible. Snow will be likely to areas north of where that icing occurs from Oklahoma to the central Appalachians. Meanwhile, rain can be anticipated elsewhere across the southeast, mainly along the Gulf Coast and in Florida. The Rockies can expect continued snow showers for a Monday morning. Some light snow showers also possible across portions of the Central Plains and Corn Belt, especially as we get into the afternoon and evening hours. Lake effect snow showers will continue across parts of western Michigan and western New York throughout the day. Frigid temperatures for most of the country. Highs will hover around or below zero for much of the northern plains, stretching toward the western portions of the Great Lakes and into the central Mississippi River Valley. 16 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. 
We are called to defend life from the rally to the march. EWTN Television and Radio brings you live and complete coverage of the most important pro-life event of the year. Join us for the annual March for Life in Washington, D.C. Coverage begins Friday morning, 8 Eastern on EWTN Television and Radio. More on that March for Life coverage with Teresa Tamio. She'll be joining us live at the top of next hour. But in the meantime, here's Anna with headlines. The Nicaraguan bishop who had been detained by the Ortega regime for some 18 months has been released from prison and is now in exile in Rome. Pope Francis again asked for prayers for peace during his Angelus address yesterday and in his catechesis reflected on the calling of the apostles in the Gospel of Mark. Of course, we also heard in the first reading uh, Samuel and his calling. Mm -hmm. Samuel would go on to anoint kings. Yep. Right. And uh, that anointing of kings and of prophets and all that would culminate in Jesus Christ. Christ means Messiah, a.k.a. Anointed, anointed one. one. Mm-hmm. So we were uh, we were studying confirmation yesterday in OCI. Oh class. well, that's appropriate. Uh, it is appropriate, and uh, we got to paragraph twelve ninety three, and I saw something that hadn't hit me this way before. You know, you read through the catechism over and over again, doing this stuff. Yeah, and then every you now said and then twelve ninety three. Twelve ninety three catechism. So, and this is actually very seasonally appropriate too. Okay. It says, anointing in biblical and other ancient symbolism is rich in meaning. And then it goes on to talk about oil. And why mm-hmm. do we use oil? Well, it says, oil is a sign of abundance and joy, like when you get a good harvest of olive oil. Right. It cleanses, as one might oil oneself up, you know, after a bath to smell good. And, mm-hmm. you know, after you got dry skin, after the heat's been going all night, mm-hmm. it's cold. And, uh, it limbers, and it talks about the anointing of athletes and wrestlers. I guarantee you the Chiefs and Dolphins oiled up before and after the game somehow. Sure. After all that. Oil is a sign of healing since it's soothing for bruises and wounds. We put all kind of oils and ointments on wounds. And it makes radiant with beauty, health, and strength in the sense that, you know, you put oils and lotions and stuff on your face make yourself beautiful. The Catechism goes on to say in 1294, anointing with oil has all these meanings in the sacramental life. Hmm. So just as oil in the real life is abundant, uh, it loosens you up, right? It heals. Mm-hmm. It soothes. It makes you radiant with beauty and strength. Those are pointing to all the things that the Sacrament of Confirmation also does to you, Love and that's it. why we use oil. Wow. So there you go. Well, yeah. Here again, the natural having a supernatural meaning. In case you're wondering, like, why do we use oil? Why don't we use something else? Well, now you... Now you know. The church has kind of always known this. Actually, Samuel knew this. Samuel knew this. It's been known for a while, let's just say. It's 21 past. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah 
at sacredheartradio.com. This is Father Rob Jack with the Heart of St. Paul. Where do we get our strength? If you had asked Popeye the sailor, he would say you get it by eating spinach. If you ask an Olympic athlete, he or she would say they ate their Wheaties. But if you ask St. Paul, he says his strength comes from Jesus Christ. In the second letter to the Corinthians, Paul writes, The Lord said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I will all the more gladly boast of my weakness, that the power of Christ may rest on me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses and insults, hardships and persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul presents his limitations as opportunities for God to do great things for him. Paul gives us all an important lesson on life. Material or financial success are passing realities. What one needs to focus on is his spiritual strength. If we are spiritually strong, there is nothing that will ultimately destroy us. Spiritual strength requires humility. We have to know our weaknesses and our sins. It's only then that we can realize that we can only thrive with God. For all of our successes, give God the glory and give God the praise. He desires that we accomplish great things, but we can do it only with his grace. And we hear this from the heart of St. Paul. 23 minutes past the hour. Hope you are staying warm and safe after uh, some cold weather and uh, more on the way for some of you as well. And uh, hopefully... Y'all can stay warm and bundled up. Those of you who are headed to the March for Life this weekend in Washington, D.C., I know that one of the people who's heading there is Father Patrick Briscoe from Our Sunday Visitor. He's written about it. Father Briscoe, good morning. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, How many marches will this be for you? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I went every year as a student friar when I was in my seminary studies here in D.C., and then I moved back to D.C. a couple years ago, so... Oh, round number probably at least ten. Wow! All right. Well, there you go. We've uh, we'll add another one to the mix. Uh, and you know, of course, people travel during one of the most insane ty- times of the year, and you know, massive crowds gather for this. It gets conflicting amounts and degrees of coverage. <laughs> but uh, some might say, you know, we've Roe v. Wade was a big talking point very early on. It was the reason it got started. Uh, and now we're in sort of a different world, and all these things are happening in different states. Uh, why are we still going to D.C.? Yeah, that's such a great question. And I think there was a lot of concern, especially right after Dobbs, about the National March and about its continued value. And I would say that the National March is actually more important than ever before. And the main reason, you know, even though, even though we no longer have a, have a national judicial ruling, um, concerning abortion, even though even though abortion has been returned back to the states, I think a national march is very important because it gathers everyone together. So all of us pro-lifers can come together, we can stand together from all over the country, and we can show our government that we want to continue to advance the pro-life cause. Well, I want to say something that I hope doesn't come off as controversial, <laughs> but I think also the overturning of Roe v. Wade adds like an odd freedom to the messaging of the march. Uh, it allows us to really, I think, uh, get to the roots of some of these questions in ways that 
um, have been a little difficult at points because, you know, sometimes when it's an election year, and especially during the time when we were fighting Roe v. Wade, you know, because one of the biggest talking points was elect the right person who will put the right justices in who will overturn Roe v. Wade, sometimes the partisan elements would get in the mix and would cloud some of the culture of life stuff that we were trying to talk about. And I think that we're in an amazingly liberated moment because we're beyond Roe v. Wade to be able to talk about, all right, now let's talk about everything else we mean by being pro-life. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I think the march is, because of that, the march is bigger than ever, and we can take on, you know, not not just abortion, but every pro-life issue. So then uh, what is going to be on your heart and your mind, uh, you know, not just as a person in Catholic media, uh, and not just as a Catholic priest, but as a marcher, like what what are you going to be reflecting on uh, as we, you know, meet this week to uh, stand for the unborn? I think one of the things that's really tough is we, we've seen a lot of losses this year in the pro-life movement. And one of the things that I'm looking forward to about the march is to just be rejuvenated in the cause. Uh, I always come out of the march feeling uh, feeling more dedicated, um, feeling more excited about upcoming issues. It's an opportunity to learn about places where 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 we're really moving forward. You know, again, the the kinds of things that you don't see every day. Uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to the kind of shot in the arm that the march is. To be very very direct, very honest with you. Now, of course, you're you're part of a religious order that's thriving and growing with the uh, order of preachers, the Dominicans. But do you ever go to the March for Life and look around the, at at the scene there with thousands and thousands of people and a few hundred of them in habits and collars and think to yourself, man, sometimes I forget how many priests and nuns there are in this church. Absolutely. Oh, that's certainly the case. And one of the things that I love about the the March for Life is that it's that it's a movement for young people. I mean, so many young people, so many young Catholics especially, turn out from all over the country. Uh, one of the things I'm really looking forward to going to is Life Fest, which is the rally hosted by the Sisters of Life and the Knights of Columbus the morning uh, before the march begins. Um, and th- that'll be a really a really beautiful gathering. Um, where we'll hear some amazing testimonies and uh, have Eucharistic adoration and have those opportunities to to pray and and really grow in our faith and uh, again to learn more about the movement. Well, the the fight to end abortion and build a culture of life is not over. But you and I are also talking on Martin Luther King Jr. Day and the fight to end. Uh, and heal from all the wounds of racism in our culture is also not over. But it strikes me that the engines of both of those movements have been driven by the gospel and have been driven by coalitions of Catholics, Protestants, Orthodox Jews, and people of goodwill across religious boundaries. Uh, does it does it ever kind of like blow your mind that we get to have both of these conversations in the same week with both Martin Luther King Jr. and the Civil Rights Movement and the ongoing battle for the sanctity of life? Absolutely, it, because it, it's a moment where I'm incredibly proud to be a religious person. You know, we look back at the Civil Rights Movement, and that was a shining moment for the Catholic Church, where we were standing up for injustice. And I feel the same way about the March for Life. This is the, the world's largest annual human rights demonstration, and I'm proud to be there, to be a voice for those uh, who can't speak for themselves. Well, you've got... 
an article at OurSundayVisitor.com. It's uh, called Five Reasons Why Why I'm Still Marching for Life. I encourage people to go check it out if they're trying to come up with more reasons why they should be involved. And don't forget to look around at the local level. For those of you who can't make it to D.C. this week, there are plenty of opportunities, more opportunities than ever, and more important than ever at these local levels as well. Father Patrick Briscoe, thank you as always. Have a wonderful day. Thanks so much for having me on. God bless. And we are praying for all of you, especially those of you traveling uh, to various places, uh, that Christ will inspire you with joy and uh, the right words and the right messages and good sign ideas. Really cool sign ideas. Talking to you high schoolers. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. The Nicaraguan bishop who had been detained by the Daniel Ortega regime for some 18 months has now been released from prison. Vatican News reports Bishop Rolando Alvarez of Matagalpa was freed by the government this weekend, along with 15 other priests and two seminarians. All of them but one are now in exile in Rome. One is in Venezuela. Pope Francis prayed for the situation in Nicaragua during his Angelus address yesterday expressing his closeness and asking that all pray that the path of dialogue will always be sought to overcome difficulties. He also asked again for prayers for peace all around the world, especially in the Holy Land and in Ukraine. In his Angelus Address Catechesis, the Holy Father reflected on the calling of the apostles Andrew and Peter. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. Being a disciple of the Lord involves seeking, being with, and sharing with others our joy in discovering the Lord, Pope said, just as the first disciples did in discovering the Messiah. The two disciples are asked by Jesus upon encountering him what they are seeking, and this question invites them to look at what they carry in their hearts and what they truly desire. Pope explained. The Lord, he added, does not want superficial followers, but people who question themselves and let themselves be challenged by his word. In meeting and discovering the Messiah, God's anointed one, the disciples ask the Lord where he lives, and they're invited by the Lord to come and see, the Pope explained. Faith, therefore, involves an encounter with the Lord and our being with him. The Pope said to stay with the Lord, to remain with him. This is the most important thing for the disciple of the Lord. The powerful experience of meeting Jesus leads the two disciples to share with others their joy and the gift of this experience. The Pope concluded, one of the two disciples mentioned in Gospel, Andrew, hastens to tell his brother Simon, whom Jesus will call Peter. Their encounter with Jesus was so powerful, said the Pope, that they remember the time it took place for the rest of their lives. It was around four in the afternoon. The Pope suggested we also remember our first encounter with the Lord and renew our own fervor by seeking Him anew through prayer and reflection that can lead us to sharing our joy with others. Maria Santissima, prima discepola di Gesù, ci dona il desiderio di cercarlo. He concluded, may Mary, most holy, first disciple of Jesus, give us the desire to seek Him, the desire to stay with Him, and the desire to proclaim Him. The principal who was wounded during a shooting at an Iowa high school earlier this month has died. According to a post on a GoFundMe page to help with medical expenses, Perry High School principal Dan Marburger died yesterday morning. He had been principal at the Des Moines area school for nearly three decades. A sixth grader was killed in that January 4th shooting, and the 17-year-old shooter died from an apparent self-inflicted gunshot 
Four other students and two staff members were injured. It's the first official day of voting in the 2024 election cycle as Iowa's caucuses get underway. At stake is who Iowa Republicans think is the best candidate to take on President Biden in November. Polls far and away show that former President Trump enjoys the most support. Also on the ballot will be his closest challengers, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. They'll be joined by Vivek Ramaswamy, former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, Pastor Ryan Brinkley and former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, who actually dropped out of the race last week. Nikki Haley says the only numbers that matter is that hers are going up and everyone else's are going down. Mark Mayfield has more. The former South Carolina governor and U.S. ambassador to the U.N. told Fox News Sunday she's just looking to come out strong in Monday's Iowa caucus and do the same in New Hampshire and in her home state. The latest poll has her at distant second behind former President Trump in the Iowa caucus. However, Haley fares better than Trump and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in head-to-head polls against President Biden. A CBS poll released on Sunday shows Haley with an eight-point lead over Biden compared to a three-point lead for DeSantis and a two-point lead for Trump. I'm Mark Mayfield. The House Foreign Affairs Committee wants more information regarding the slaughter of Christians in Nigeria. Committee Chair Michael McCall and other lawmakers sent a letter to U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken asking for a report outlining how it intends to work with the Nigerian government to prevent further death. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour. If the cold winter mornings make you want to stay in bed, it's time to get some Mystic Monk coffee or tea to help make kicking off the covers a little easier. And when you head to their site by clicking the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission on your purchase without spending anything extra. While you're at our site, be sure to check out our online store where you can buy Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, What do you mean by near occasions of sin? When in confession we say that we will avoid near occasions of sin, what we mean is all the persons, places, and things that may easily lead us into sin. Let's imagine that you walk by the bar and you don't have any problem with drinking alcohol. But let's say there's somebody else who struggled with drinking alcohol. Now imagine furthermore that that man decides he's going to get a job in the bar. We would say that he is putting himself in a near occasion of sin. And so, in order to avoid the near occasions of sin, what we're saying is that we want to avoid those things that simply won't be good for us. But if we're avoiding the near occasions of sin, we are also trying to pursue the occasions of virtue. If we avoid the occasions of sin and pursue the occasions of virtue, we will better be able to keep the faith until death. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. It's 
37 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. So happy to have you along with us on this Martin Luther King Day. Father John Gavin back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is author of Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer. Good morning, Father. Good morning. So we're continuing our series looking at church fathers who are quoted in the catechism, and we're in the section of the catechism still uh, on the creed in the part where we say we believe in life everlasting. So we've talked about heaven. We are now on to another of the last things, um, purgatory. Well, I got mm-hmm. is purgatory. No, purgatory is not a last thing, is it? Not I one of misspoke. the four. Because if you're in purgatory, that's not the last thing for you. <laughs> yes, and that's, that's, that's the great the whole hope. Point. <laughs> that's the whole point of it. So we are in 1031, paragraph 1031, and a quote from St. Gregory the Great. So I'm going to read it here. It says, The Church gives the name purgatory to this final purification of the elect, which is entirely different from the punishment of the damned. The Church formulated her doctrine of faith on purgatory, especially at the councils of Florence and Trent. The tradition of the Church, by reference to certain texts of Scripture, speaks of a cleansing fire. And here's the quote from St. Gregory the Great. As for certain lesser faults, we must believe that before the final judgment there is a purifying fire. He who is truth says that whoever utters blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will be pardoned neither in this age nor in the age to come. From this sentence, we understand that certain offenses can be forgiven in this age, but certain others in the age to come. So, Father, tell us about where this quote comes from. Sure. So I, I think it's wonderful that they select a quote from uh, St. Gregory, because his theology and also the, a story from his life uh, say much about the Church's understanding of purgatory and prayers for the dead. And this particular passage comes from a work of Gregory's called the Dialogues. Uh, they are a series of, of dialogues between uh, St. Gregory and the figure Peter the Deacon, and they mostly are discussions about saints and holy men and women. But the section that this comes from in the dialogues is actually a discussion of uh, purgatory and uh, the possibility of the forgiveness and the pen- penitential forgiveness of sins after death. And so as we hear here, uh, Pope Gregory affirms the possibility of those who do not die in the state of mortal sin, but still have uh, penance to do for sins in their lives, and that this can actually take place after death. And he even says in uh, the dialogue that for this to take place, one would have to have at least a virtuous orientation in one's life uh, in order for one to be open to that uh, purgation this uh, really gift of the Lord um, after one has died. So that's the the context for this particular quote. Nice. And you said that it it seems so fitting that Gregory would be a church father chosen for this particular part. What about his life, um, you know, indicates that for you, Father? Well, there's a famous story. 
story about St. Gregory, we've, our first account of it comes from the 8th century, and then it, it spreads quite a bit after that, about how one time Gregory was walking through the Forum in Rome mm-hmm. and uh, was thinking about the Emperor Trajan, uh, who uh, was contributed much to the building of the Forum. But uh, a story that he knew about Trajan, he, Gregory, was that Trajan once was passing with his soldiers in the city and a widow who had uh, been unjustly treated uh, after the death of her son uh, asked that he help her receive um, justice in the courts. And he stops and actually takes care of her and uh, seeks justice for her. And Gregory says, wow, this is a sign of the virtuous act of this emperor who uh, actually takes the time to help this widow in need. And so Gregory goes and prays for Trajan and weeps for him, mm-hmm. and then has confirmed in a dream that Trajan has passed through the fires of purgatory and has come to heaven. Wow. Now, this, it's, it's really uh, yeah, quite a story. Now, there's a couple of things coming into play there, because not only do we have purgatory, but we also have this clearly opening to what we call baptism by desire, mm. that in some way, Trajan, who would have had knowledge of Christians, by the way, we know this from a famous letter of Pliny the Younger, um, may have had this desire to know Christ in his life. So it's, there's a couple of important things that come through in that story. Yeah, for sure. And I, I want to ask you about this idea of cleansing fire, because mm. I think this—I don't know. I, I've never been a Protestant. I'm a cradle Catholic. Um, but I know that, that Protestants um, really find this to be a repugnant teaching of, mm. of the Catholic Church. They say it's a medieval invention— um, uh, that that is not scriptural. Of course, they don't have Second Maccabees in their Bible, so that doesn't help. Um, mm. But there seems to be, and and the Catechism seems to um, seems to anticipate this because it says in in ten thirty one that this is entirely different from the punishment of the damned. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I'm wondering if this idea of cleansing fire is what becomes confusing about purgatory. So can you uh, sort of tell us the difference between the fires of purgatory and the fires mm. of hell? Certainly. I mean, I think it, it just note also, uh, scripturally, uh, Gregory especially emphasizes 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15, where it says, if any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, mm. but only as through fire. Wow. Yeah. And so the, the, there are some scriptural passages that we can turn to. But I think the image of fire, yes, I mean, we can think of, on the one hand, the image that we have for hell, the burning fire, uh, is that one of that tremendous pain of loss is in the indication there, right? Uh, such that uh, one has lost that uh, gift of heaven that one has refused. But then when we talk about the purgatorial fires, we're talking about the image of fire that purifies, and I think you especially can think of something like metals mm-hmm. would be the image here, right? Sure. In which you have to melt down a metal and separate the impurities in order for it to be uh, cleansed and used. And I think that's the image of fire that's being used here. Fire has a double sense, but in this case, it's the, that purification, that separation 
from the things that uh, that we need need to be let go, removed, in order to enter into uh, eternal joy with the Lord. Well, we've been talking to Father John Gavin. You can find his book, Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, really appreciate your thoughts this morning. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. God bless. You too, Father. Thank you. All right, it's quarter till. We're back with Deacon Harold Burke Sivers right after this. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. He is honored by the Church as a bishop, a defender of orthodoxy, and a saint with the title of doctor. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Ambrose of Milan was headed toward a brilliant secular career in the Roman Empire when he was suddenly chosen to be Bishop of Milan in 374. He proved one of the greatest bishops and homilists in the history of the Church. Above all, he is renowned for baptizing St. Augustine of Hippo. To find out more, visit EWTN.com and click on Catholicism. Hi, this is Cy Kellett. Join us later today on Catholic Answers Live as we do our best to explain and defend the Catholic faith. Catholic Answers Live, 6 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. It's always great to talk to Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, and uh, he has a new show coming out in February. It's going to be on weekdays on EWTN Radio. It's going to be 4 Eastern on weekday afternoons. He's also the author of a book called Building a Civilization of Love, a Catholic Response to Racism. Deacon Harold, thank you for being on with us. It's great to be with you. Thank you for having me today. You know, as we mark the anniversary, uh, well, I mean, it's it's a national sort of like feast day, right? Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And there's so much that people want to say about his life and legacy and the work that he did. But it, it strikes me every year how people want to sort of paper over the fact that this is a Christian pastor whose motivation for racial healing came from scriptures and his relationship with God. And, uh, you know, he was one of our Protestant brothers and sisters. But don't you think that's an important thing for us to highlight if we want to have this conversation? Oh, it's extremely important. 
when you think about, I mean, how was this Southern Baptist preacher during the time of Jim Crow and all kinds of uh, racial separation, how was he able to bring people together? How was he able to bridge the racial divide, you know, that, that crossed uh, political boundaries, that crossed religious boundaries, that crossed sociological boundaries, and bring people together? And, and uh, that's why we haven't seen that kind of thing happening today, because they're trying to find um, cultural ways of solving this problem and dealing with the issue of race. But Martin Luther King relied on the gospel. <laughs> and even though he didn't you know, necessarily specifically spell it out, that it was the gospel, the way he went about it, the principles, and that's what brought people together. They were able to see past their differences and see, no, this guy makes sense. This is the way forward. And since he died, we have this, this, this gap, this chasm. Um, and it hasn't been able to be bridged because we have people who are saying race, 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 but it really is a Trojan horse. There's a whole other agenda that has nothing to do with race, and that's why we're still seeing the problems that we have today. Well, there certainly is, and uh, the fact of the matter is the Church had plenty to say on race over the years, but uh, I want to go back to the Gospel, because there's certain things that don't hit the same in the 21st century that they would have hit in Jesus' day. So when Jesus talks to the, the crowds, and he's discussing... Uh, this priest and this Levite that walk by a guy on the road, and then this Samaritan comes by, and the Samaritan is the guy that does all the help. Uh, like, that doesn't hit us, uh, because we don't understand the racial divides, the ethnic divides, the, the, the massive religious divides that would have been between Jews and Samaritans. I mean, Jesus is dealing with this stuff in the Gospels in a very clear way. Oh, absolutely. He, he sets a whole new standard for how we're supposed to treat each other. And you're right, you know, the Jews and the Samaritans uh, hated each other, even though they were kind of like cousins. Um, you know, they really didn't uh, uh, deal much with each other at all. Like, for example, the woman at the well. I mean, she was shocked that Jesus went up to her because they're not even supposed to use the same utensils together. Um, and so when Jesus tells that powerful uh, parable, it's very powerful. Here's a Jewish man that's at the side of the road that was mugged, and then the priest and the Levite walk by, but then the Samaritan who's supposed to hate, he's the one who shows him mercy. Well, what's the lesson for us? Of course, of course what, we, what we say, oh, of course I would have helped him if that were me, looking back at you know, hindsight being 2020. But what if that person was the person who sexually assaulted you, who drove drunk and killed your parents, uh, the person who got you hooked on alcohol and drugs? Oh, see, not so easy now, huh? Um, but, but that's uh, Jesus' point. Um, he calls us to do what's seemingly impossible. Uh, it, it, we, we, we must be Samaritans. You know, uh, Jesus' teaching no longer requires people to be separate from each other, but to be a vehicle of mercy to the person standing in front of us, to look at the person in front of us, and not to look at race, but to look at someone made in God's image and likeness. Once we do that, that's the first brick that has to be taken out of the wall of racial divide. You know, one of the things that frustrates me so much, Deacon Harold, is that some people will, and, and this, this happens so often in the media, will take questions like abortion and uh, racism 
and end-of-life issues and break them up into three different categories. And if you talk about one, somebody will say, well, why aren't you talking about these other two, <laughs> right? Uh, but if we truly understand the sanctity of life uh, from the womb, right, if that's really something that we're going to double down, and if the bishops have told us that has to be the thing that we care about, first and foremost, and that informs everything else, then once once we get that right, we have to start getting this other stuff right too, don't we? Oh, absolutely. But you have to start in the womb. I mean, what you're talking about was, uh, at least when I was growing up, they call it the seamless garment. You yeah. know, it's just one continuous issue of life. It doesn't matter whether it's abortion or racism or it's all the same. Well, it's not. Because if you don't have life, if you don't start with respecting all life, the dignity of all human life for the moment of conception, then what's the point? <laughs> if, you, if you're not even alive, then race and all the other stuff doesn't even matter. Um, and so we, we, we have to see, yes, life as a continuous journey, but we're on pilgrimage here because this is not our home. And that pilgrimage journey toward heaven starts uh, at the moment of conception. It does indeed, and it always has. Uh, and I think that that idea that the Church has kind of been all in on this question from day one really helps inform us, because right now it's very easy for us to listen to one talking head or another talking head, get caught up in a talking point of whatever's happening in the news right now, right? Uh, and as Americans, we tend to view everything through the Civil War and slavery and all that stuff. And that is an important, I mean, extremely important conversation to have. But how has the church been here and in this conversation from long before there was ever such a thing even envisioned as the United States of America? Well, yeah, the, the church is, um, well, the church has always taught <clears throat> since the beginning, you know, we have to follow Jesus, you know, and, and especially when you look at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, you know, is, a, is kind of the fundamental basis of Jesus' teaching. And the church has always believed that. In fact, the church has been um, one of the strongest uh, uh, anti-slavery uh, associations in, in, in the entire world. I mean, in the book, I go back and I look at all the councils of the church uh, that, that specifically talked about um, uh, opposing slavery. I looked at the teachings of the popes, even in the United States, when the bishop ignored the, the pope's teaching about anti-slavery. I showed that the church took a very strong stand against slavery. So even though the, 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 the leaders in the church didn't follow what, you know, in the United States, didn't follow what the, the Vatican was teaching, um, there were still people uh, that stood up for the, for the rights of, of all human beings. Well, thanks so much, Deacon Harold and uh, Anna Mitchell. It strikes me that throughout the history of the church, the church has taught stuff, and a whole bunch of Catholics have ignored it along the way. <laughs> but we that. owe it to the saints who got it right to back yeah. their play Absolutely. on this question. Um, I do have a copy of the book, by the way, in my hand so that you can see it on the screen if you're looking for what it looks like in your local Catholic bookstore. Uh, Deacon Harold's book, Building a Civilization of Love, a Catholic Response to Racism. Anna Mitchell, this is always a crazy week with the March for Life and MLK Day in the same week. It's I know. Intense. Well, there's a lot of civil rights that we're still working to... Uh, Achieve the dignity of the human person as made in the image of God, womb to tomb, mm -hmm. regardless of what you look like or where you come from. That's the theme of the week. Amen.
we got another full hour to talk about it coming up after the break. It is three minutes till. 